Upper Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit UpperFrisco.com. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be the rabbi this morning to teach us wonderful things from Scripture, to enlighten our eyes, to make us wise, and to realize the goodness in Jesus' eyes. <laughs> Show us the very nature of God this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we talked about singing in the Spirit. If it made you uncomfortable, there's no need to fear it. <laughs> there's no pleasure in life that can come near it. I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit. If you didn't get a chance, it'll be on a podcast soon if you want to hear it. <laughs> so, yes. Last week, we talked about growing in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And the thing about growing in intimacy with the Holy Spirit is that he wants us to be like kids. He said that we, we can't enter the kingdom. We can't experience the kingdom that is at hand unless we're willing to be like children. And I'm not talking about being childish. I'm talking about being childlike, which means we're getting reacquainted with the wonder of his presence, the way a child has so much wonder at, at the beauties of the world. Um, I, I gave us just a few, a few things that we can do in order to engage with God, in order to grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And one of them was to acknowledge the Lord. Uh, based on Proverbs 3, it says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will direct your steps, or he'll keep you on the right path. And so uh, one really important way that we can grow in our experience and understanding and intimacy with the Holy Spirit is to simply invite the Holy Spirit into everything we do. Invite the Spirit into our party and into our pain. He loves to be included. He loves to be recognized and acknowledged. He appreciates being appreciated. I also talked about how we can sing to him. We can sing to the Lord through worship and praise with thanksgiving in our hearts. And thanksgiving is so key. Thanksgiving is, is a, a cornerstone of our ministry. Based on Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, which means that since we're already seated in heavenly places, we are not transferring from someplace else. He's opening our eyes to realize that we're in glory when we enter into thanks. We're seated in heavenly places with him. It changes our perspective and turns it into a heavenly perspective. And it's a good week to talk about thanksgiving, isn't it? This is a powerful week because uh, families across our country are being tricked into bringing the presence of heaven into their living rooms and into their dining rooms. Yeah, so this week, everyone's getting thankful, right? We're remembering things that we, uh, we get to praise God for. Uh, the cool thing about the Lord is that he sends his reign on the righteous and unrighteous alike, but what make, makes us different is we thank him for it. We're the ones on planet Earth that realize where these blessings are coming from. It magnifies his power and presence in our lives. We begin to acknowledge the Lord. And it's, it's just incredibly powerful to be thankful people. You can't be prideful and thankful at the same time. And God gives grace to the humble. So one of the most humble things we can do is thank 
the Lord and acknowledge that all the blessings in our life came from him. And you might say, well, I worked hard for these blessings. Well, who gave you the intellect? Who, who birthed you into a family and into a, a, a city and into a place where you had the opportunities? Who's the one that is directing our steps? So, uh, you know, our, our hard work is so important, but it is really just like children trying to help dad rake up the leaves in the backyard. Have you ever had like one of your kids say, dad, let me help, let me help. And you realize this is going to take twice as long as normal. <laughs> like all of our best efforts, he's like, that's real cute. I'm going to come in and do it all. And suddenly a leaf blower is introduced into the situation. And that's the power of the spirit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love Thanksgiving. I love to feast on the Lord. I love how feasting brings joy to our hearts. It is God ordained, God designed. Aren't you thankful that he gave us taste buds? He could have made food boring, just something to sustain us, but he made it something that delights us. That reveals his heart. In fact, is there anyone in here who suffers from a, like a loss of taste? Anyone? A lessened loss, like loss of taste or smelling? Oh, wow, COVID doesn't exist here. This is amazing. Come on now. I was gonna pray for you. Taste and see. If you're afraid to raise your hand, I still pray for you right now. If uh, fruit comes from fruit trees, do you know where turkeys come from? No. Poultries. Wait, do you want one more? What does a limping turkey say? Wobble, wobble. <laughs> Since Jonathan asked for it, knock, knock. Norma Lee. Normally I don't eat this much. <laughs> All right, all right, there's no coming back from that one. So last week, <laughs> I talked about like getting, getting accustomed uh, to, to the Spirit and acquainted with the manifestations of the Spirit. And we talked about how uh, Paul made gifts of the Holy Spirit synonymous with manifestations of the Holy Spirit, meaning that when we are prophesying, we're not just doing a cool thing, we're manifesting a great king. Does that make sense? So like when we are operating in a gift, we are representing the Lord himself to people who need the Lord himself. Uh, I encourage us to speak in tongues a lot. Um, I know that that's um, counterintuitive and, and a lot of us have uh, baggage and teachings and all sorts of stuff uh, regarding speaking tongues, gifted tongues, and singing the Spirit, um, I can say uh, with great certainty that we're encouraged to, to speak in tongues. We're encouraged to sing in the Spirit. And we can sing with our minds while we're singing with our Spirit. We can sing, we can speak in tongues, we can pray in tongues while we're praying with our minds. And uh, it's, it's just all good. And if you're anything like me, though, you were probably filled with all sorts of questions last week about, like, well, how... How do the gifts function in like a corporate environment? How do we keep, uh, you know, us from falling off the rails? And, um, and I want to just say that 
The Holy Spirit is not um, a perfectionist taskmaster where he is looking with disapproval as we're doing things not good enough. That's not the Holy Spirit. If we're praying in tongues, he's thinking, I'm so glad that they're taking the risk in praying in tongues. He's not saying, well, you shouldn't do that because there's no interpreter whatsoever. He's actually just glad that people are stepping out and practicing the gifts. Y'all know that the, the things that you're amazing at now in life, you once were horrible at, right? Which means that we are going to do things wrong. We're gonna pray, pray in tongues wrong. We're going, like we, there might not be an interpreter or there might be an interpretation that's wonky, but we are leaving room for the Holy Spirit to do things in our midst by stepping out on the waters of mystery with him. And I, I just, I want us all to like have that kind of, that kind of courage and grace for one another and grace for ourselves that as we're learning these things, we're going to grow in them and we're not gonna do it perfectly right off the bat. I like how at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking about, uh, you know, all through the, the chapter, he's giving protocol for what it looks like in a corporate gathering and the gifts are manifesting. But at the very end of it, he says, oh, and by the way, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. It might sound like he is limiting tongues throughout some of like his, his discourse there, but at the end, he's just encouraging us, like, continue to speak in tongues, to pray in tongues. And, and it might seem like he's also saying that tongues is, is, is lesser than prophecy, but he goes into, in the very same breath, he says, unless you have an interpreter, because then what was a mystery is now made known. And if there is a tongue and an interpretation of that tongue, then it is a lot like prophecy in that, more, that moment. It has the same kind of transformative power for a group. And I want to let you guys know that in, in a gathering this size, I am 100% confident that there are dozens of people with the gift of interpretation. We might just not know it yet. And so if I were to start speaking in a tongue, some of y'all might have an inclination of what I'd be saying, but it's not like you're not accustomed to running up here and grabbing the mic and saying, we don't encourage that. But like you, there are interpretations being given in the room. We are actually receiving things from the Lord. Paul talks about how um, that we've all been baptized into one spirit. There's one Lord, one baptism, one spirit that we can drink of, which means that when we are gathering together, we are all bringing a representation of the Lord, but it's all from, from one spirit. We all work together. You know, the, a, a gathering of saints should actually look a lot like a Thanksgiving meal where everyone brings something, right? It's like a smorgasbord where when one person has a teaching or a tongue or a testimony, we gather together for that kind of corporate encouragement. And Paul, even in the same breath in, in, in 14, he's talking about how there are no part is lesser than another part. And so you might be thinking, well, I don't know anything about this stuff, and I don't think I'm as gifted as that person or this person, but I want to encourage you that don't leave here today thinking that you are less spiritual than anyone else seated in this room. We've all been given gifts. They're, they're irrevocable. They're, with, they're without repentance, which means that even if you don't acknowledge that you have gifts from the Lord, it doesn't change the fact that you have gifts from the Lord, but maybe you just haven't had an opportunity to be invited into it. 
Can we all just like, like have an atmosphere of grace and yes in this room? A lot of times when we gather together, this is, this is research and development. Most people who walk through these doors, we already have a relationship with the Lord. And so when we gather together, we get edified in the Lord so that we can go out to the world and take Jesus to the world. And here is safety, and it's where we get to grow together in the Lord, and then we get to go out and change the world by the things that we've learned. Amen? Yeah. All right. All right, that was, a, that was a really long recap. I should have just kept singing. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend in ministry school. Uh, her name is Nicole. She went on a, a missions trip to Germany, and they were specifically ministering to uh, gypsy tribes, which I guess is still a thing. There are like traveling like gypsy, gypsies. And um, they had like a tent meeting, and all these like locals came. They gathered at this tent meeting. And Nicole was praying for one of the locals, and she didn't speak the language, and so she just began to pray in tongues. And there was uh, an interpreter there that spoke German and English. And as she's praying for this stranger, this German gypsy, in tongues, he begins to weep. And through the interpreter, she learns that she's praying for him in his German gypsy dialect and praying for his family members by name. What would have happened if she thought to herself, I shouldn't pray in tongues because I don't know if there's an interpretation. That man met Jesus in that moment, and it might not have lined up with the things that we've learned in church, but the Holy Spirit is like, good enough, right? I'm on that. Like, um, and when Paul was talking to the church in Corinth, I also, I think it's important that we understand that that was the biggest church at the time. And he says to the church in Corinth, you guys aren't lacking in any gift. And he, and he talks about how some of their gatherings are just, they're just wheels off, right? There's someone prophesying over there, speaking in tongues over there. Someone's getting delivered of a demon over there. And, and people are prophesying and speaking in tongues all at the same time. And Paul's like, I see that you guys have a lot of power. Let's put some guidelines in place. Let's bring some protocol uh, to this power. But I think that often we get that backwards and we glory in our protocol when there's no power present. And we think that our protocol is going to bring power and it's the other way around. Protocol is for when power is already present. Okay? We can't administrate the Holy Spirit into the room. That felt good to say. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. In this moment, we welcome you even more, even more, Lord. I'm excited that in this room we have such a, a family of grace and willingness. I feel like when we, when we gather together, I don't know about you, I feel like there's just expectancy and we're wondering what God is going to do this morning. And there are times when I feel like all we do is open the doors here and turn on the lights, and the Lord does the rest. He shows up in a big way, and, and I love that we get to, to do this together. Um, so last week when I was talking about these ways to grow in, in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, it's because my, 
my desire is that every single one of us would just be lit up by the Lord all week long. And then when we come together on a Sunday, it would be like the top would blow off of this place because of the celebration. The, the smell of incense from all the Marys throwing down their perfume in this room. You know what I mean? Like that's, what, that's what I want. Um, there's a danger in talking about you know, the things that are traditionally known as the disciplines of a righteous life. And, and the danger is that we start to think in terms of transaction instead of relationship. And what I mean is, like, if I do these things, then he'll give me these things. And if I do this, that, and the other thing, then I'm going to get closer to him. Uh, I'm going to level up in my spirituality, and I'm, I'm going to have more power in my life. And, and that's, that's the danger of talking about disciplines without elevating the beauty of Jesus above everything else. So, because what, we, what can happen is we go from like, I just love him so much. I'm, I'm compelled by love and gratitude to speak to him constantly throughout the day and, and lavish my worship and praise on him and do the things that a lover does to, to, for a beloved. And it, turn, it changes from that into I've got to do these things like they're required of me. It's what he wants from me. And so I, I want us to always keep the, the one thing message central, and it's, it is about the, the beauty of Jesus, his love for us. And, and, and really, if I think that there is a distance between me and God that I have to close through my religious ways, then I'm starting off in the completely wrong place, and religion like that distance that I feel will be like a disease to me and religion will sell me every, every cure to try to close that distance. I have really good news. He got closer to us than we could have ever imagined and never left. He's closer to you right now than you are close to your own kidney. Like you can, if you could outrun your skeleton, you could outrun the Holy Ghost. You can't, he's everywhere. Even the psalmist began to realize this. You know, that heaven and earth are full of his glory. And so we are not filling earth with his glory. It says the knowledge of your glory will fill the earth, which means that we are becoming aware right in this very moment that every bush is ablaze with the glory of God. And there's no place that we can escape him. And wherever I run, his love will meet me there. Since he loved us first, we get to enter into this relationship where it's more like we're passing love notes with God and, and whispers and, and entrusting our secrets to him. Um, we can have the, you, the, the, you guys know the disciplines of the righteous life, like prayer and fasting and worship and solitude and the reading of scripture, all these things are good unless we're starting from a place where I'm far from God and I have to figure out how to close this distance instead of God is with me and I'm enthralled by his love to do these things. I'm compelled. I'm compelled by love. Because we can have the most thorough knowledge of scripture and the most vibrant friendship with the Holy Spirit. That's really cool. We can know the Bible forwards and backwards and we can have uh, the... The, the closest friendship with Jesus of anyone in all of history. We can be like John who lays his head on 
the, the chest of Jesus and Mary who sits at his feet. But with heartache, I can tell you that it's possible to have one without the other. You can have a thorough knowledge of scripture and no friendship with God whatsoever. We can read these passages and know it forwards and backwards and not be transformed by the spirit as we read it. We can actually know it better than anyone else and be just like the Pharisees who killed the author when he showed up. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know the scriptures, you search them diligently for in them you think that you have life, but these are they which speak of me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you would actually have life. So I want us to know the book forward and backwards, but this, this book of life, it, this book will only have the, the, the power of life through the spirit of life interpreting it into our hearts. If I'm just, if I'm reading this without like the, like Holy Spirit open my eyes and Holy Spirit, you know, reveal Jesus to me, I can just be getting puffed up with knowledge and prideful and actually further from God with every page that I read because I'm thinking I'm putting, you know, an weapons in my arsenal, but really I'm going to use those weapons against people instead of for people. So you can have tons of knowledge. I can have tons of knowledge, but lack any real wisdom from the Lord. You guys know the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting it in your fruit salad. <laughs> Some of our greatest heroes of the faith seem to live in constant, tangible communion with God, and they could barely read. One of, my, uh, one of my best friends asked a, a really influential pastor one time, um, is it possible to have a relationship with God without having a Bible? And the pastor of this big church immediately said no. And we all understand like, where he's coming from and, and his heart behind that answer. Like, there's, of course, there's grace for him. We understand that. But there's a big problem with that viewpoint. And that is, like, to begin with, our first century fathers didn't have a completed Bible. <laughs> they had the Holy Spirit. Like, like Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, I'm going to give you the Spirit. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to teach you all things. He's going to remind you of everything that I've said. Now, I really don't want you to hear something that I'm not saying this book is amazing. This compilation of God's stories and his beating heart for us is found in here. And I want us to know it forwards and backwards. But it is, I want more than that. I want us to re-enthrone King Jesus above our ability to interpret a book. We need the Holy Ghost leading us every day, day in and day out. Far be it from us to disrespect the Holy Spirit by relegating him to a lower position. There's not a fourth person of the Trinity, right? It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When I'm in a battle, this book can tell me to 
swing my sword. When, when I'm in a battle, this book can tell me to shout at the walls. And when I'm in a battle, this book can tell me just to bust out a song and start singing to dispel the enemy. It can tell me three different ways for a situation that I'm encountering, right? But only the Holy Spirit can tell me the right thing for today. This book is an incredible set of principles, but it's not the Prince of Peace. We can't have just, we don't want doctrine without the doctor. Like we, we just start functioning. When we function outside of relationship with the Lord, with the principles from scripture, without the heart of scripture behind it, it can, it can cause the most damage in all of history. Paul says, at the end of my teaching is love, that, that we would love. And even the, the gifts of the Spirit, the most famous chapters are 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right? What is sandwiched right in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14? Love, baby. It's the love burger sandwich. You got the buns of the sandwich, which are the gifts, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is saying loudly, this is trash without love at the core. This is the delivery system. You know, if you can imagine, like, you're trying to love people deeply from a, a genuine heart and show them the love of God. Well, God's like, well, you can use the, manifesta like, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Go prophesy my heart over them. And that's like the delivery system, right? You can't just, like, grab a greasy burger without buns on, right? The delivery system is those gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, the world wants a mouthful of that kind of love, right? So I want to re-enthrone the Holy Spirit as our king, our leader, our God. And I want us to have the most thorough knowledge of Scripture you know, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, I found my wife, but the Bible couldn't tell me if I should pursue her or not, right? Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, I've made changes and job, like careers and moves. Ashley and I have trusted the Holy Spirit through dreams in the night to make big decisions in our life. And it sounds crazy and it's completely countercultural, but we have made enormous life-changing decisions based on a dream. We've, we've had babies by the leading of the Holy Spirit through dreams in the night. I'm shepherding right here before you because I followed the Holy Spirit because conventional wisdom would have told me, go make money. You have five kids, dummy. <laughs> right? But I have accidentally, you know, most of the time in spite of me, the Holy Spirit has led us all to this very point. He has orchestrated our lives. He has authored and redeemed. He has conspired behind the scenes to steer you into this room, into the very moment that you're sitting in to receive something life-changing from him. And I'm with you in that. I just want us to surrender to the movements of the Spirit and get lost in the river of His delight. And I want us to be compelled by love in, in everything that we do. 
This week is a week to feast on his goodness, and I just encourage you guys to invite the Holy Spirit into your feasting. You know, a lot of times we get this idea that, um, you know, the greatest pleasures in life are separate from any tangible things that God has given us to enjoy. So like alone in a closet, in a darkened room, praying to God, of course you can be exhilarated by the Holy Spirit, but he has given us food to eat and sweet drink to drink and friends to fellowship deeply with. And when we invite the Lord into those moments, beloved, I can tell you that sometimes a bite of steak is better than 10 church services. Can we stand together? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've given us a family. You've set the lonely in families. We thank you that we get to grow in our friendship with you. We thank you for everything that you've provided. We thank you that you gave us scripture to reveal Jesus who reveals the Father and the Holy Spirit who never leaves and never forsakes, who reveals both the Father and the Son to us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here right now. You're moving within us, through us, for us. You're doing things in this very moment, whether our minds recognize it or not. We invite you into our our feasting this week. We thank you, God, for everything that you've done for us and for our nation and, and all of our families and friends. God, we pray that there would be salvations and prodigal sons returning to you this week. We pray that our tables would become sacred encounter places of altars where failures become the things that, that become praise stories, where people who've been alienated from family, felt cut off from family, find their way back in to family this week. I pray for anyone who feels alone in this moment that they would feel your closeness, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.